a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Ryan Meeks, and after years of trying to make life work as a struggling artist, independent filmmaker, and musician, I thought to myself, hey, self, wouldn't it be helpful to ask other artists how they're finding their path in this world? And so now, that's exactly what I'm doing on a bi-weekly basis. Welcome to the Path of Art. Welcome to the Path of Art. I'm Ryan Meeks, and today we have Brando Eaton. So you may know Brando Eaton from a few TV shows, The Secret Life of the American Teenager as Griffin or Dexter as Jonah. Welcome to the show, Brando. It's good to have you on. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. Did I know I know you've been uh, to FanX a few years back here in Utah. Yep. Um, what role would you say that your fans recognize you most for? I mean, honestly, it depends where I am. Mm-hmm. Um you know the the demographics, age, all that stuff. Um, but when it comes to Fanex, a lot of it was Dexter. That's why the Fanex would bring me there. Um, even though a lot of it's you know fantasy related, sci fi related, there's a lot of that sort of stuff as the main focus. But horror stuff is very popular in those places. So Dexter mm-hmm. was actually a very popular show with with those audiences. So it opened up a lot of doors to do things like Fanex, which is awesome. It's always an amazing experience, and I love being at those things personally. Uh, just as you know, being a fan of my own uh, the the fantasy stuff and whatever, whether it's you know Game of Thrones, people there, you know things like that. I love that. So <clears throat> anyway, a lot of perks to it. But Dexter was the main thing. But then you'd also have a lot of younger people at those crowds that would recognize me from the teen shows, whether it's mm-hmm. Secret Life or MTV's Awkward or um, Zoe One One's a big one, mm-hmm. which is funny because. I mean, at this point, I'm 36 years old. That was my first job, like, oh, wow. maybe 17 years ago, or my first on-air job. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was, I was, I think, 19 when I did that. Mm-hmm. And the crazy thing is I'm still recognized for that to this day. I think one is because it's kind of an iconic show, mm-hmm. um, and it continued to air. I think to this day, it still um, reruns. So uh, it sticks with the the new generations. And what I've noticed when it comes to fan bases or people just watching content in general, uh, the kid stuff really sticks. Because when you're a kid, you're a sponge. Your brain's just taking on everything. And so even a character that maybe some of these people saw 10 plus years ago, somehow I still stick in their head from that, which is crazy. It's crazy to think about that. But um, yeah, so... That's an overview of that. Well, what what kind of characters that you've played um, do you feel that uh, are the most fulfilling to you as an actor? Uh, honestly, that's that's tough 
That's a tough one to answer. The reason why is because I like changing it up. Mm-hmm. Um, I get something from so many different characters. I mean, even if it's something that sounds more surface level and simple, like a kid show, the fact that it resonates with so many people and sticks with them throughout their childhood and into adult life um, is kind of um, remarkable and flattering. And it's, it's, it's nice to be part of someone's life in such a way. Mm-hmm. And I'd say that's really rewarding. Uh, while at the same time, of course, there's deeper, you know, deeper, I say that with air quotes, characters in some of these more adult shows because they're just so much more you know, dynamic and there's so much go- more going on and a dark, you know, a darker uh, storyline, things like that, that add so many layers to it. Um, that's very re- rewarding as well and connects with people in a different way. And as an artist, it resonates with me in a different way as well. So I'd say the diversity of the roles overall is what's very attractive to me as an actor. Um, and I've always tried to model my career after that, meaning uh, I've tried not to get pigeonholed in one type of uh, genre or type of character. I've you know I've played a variety of good guys, bad guys, and everything in between. And uh, that's very rewarding for me. And so uh, what is a day-to-day life like for an actor? Uh, it's wild. I mean, it, it changes too, depending on where you are in your career. Mm-hmm. Um, but thinking back when I was younger, and that was my full grind, meaning now I have different businesses and I work behind the camera as well. But when I was 100% just acting, I don't know how I did it. I mean, it was a wild ride because most of your life is training. So practicing, um, going over auditions, going to acting classes, whatever it was. So it's, it's mainly training and then doing a lot of free work essentially. Because when I was, I would, I would say I was more of a full-time driver and auditioner. So I was living in LA. I'm born and raised in LA. Traffic's terrible. In the height of my auditions, I mean, I was, it was crazier back in the day. I I say that because now, now you have um, Zoom calls and on-tape auditions. In the height of my I'd say my career in like the tw- in my early twenties. No, it was I had to drive there in person around LA, sometimes up to four auditions a day, and it would take me, you know, literally all day. Uh, I would wake up, I'd be scrambling to go over an audition as I drive there. You know, we're talking a thirty minute to an hour drive in LA, and then run in there, do the audition, bring out the other sides, scrambling, looking over those sides while driving an hour to the next audition sitting in there doing that one, then doing the same, doing that to four different auditions. I was, and I called that free work because as an actor, you, you're, you have to get in this mindset where you can't take the rejection seriously. There's so many factors behind it. You're going to do a hundred auditions and book one of them. I mean, you know, that's, that's kind of how it works and that's kind of the norm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe you have a higher booking rate. It's like, okay, cool. You're booking five out of a (laughs) hundred. It's like, you're still doing that a lot. So essentially Mm -hmm. I'm doing a lot. I call it free work. Like I'm just, that's my, I have have to be, I've kind of normalized working my entire day grinding on this to get paid nothing and just pay for the gas. It's just, you've chosen a job that doesn't actually pay you um, Mm -hmm. until you, you get that lottery hit. 
And so with there, that's why I tell a lot of people that want to pursue this. I'm like, you know, and the, and the industry's evolved and it's changed a bit since then. But especially then it's like um, you have to put the time into it. You have to, you know, there's a lot of people like, oh, it'd be cool to be on TV. I want to be an actor. Well, I mean, you're going to have to put a lot. Of, are you really passionate about it? Mm-hmm. Are you ready to put years of unthankful grinding into this with no monetary kickback? Um, that's essentially what it was for many years. And then of course you'd get those, those great highs when, when you do book a job. Um, but yeah, it came very rarely at the start, of course, cause I was just starting out. And so I had to put, I had to pay my dues essentially. And it was exhausting. I mean, keeping up with, you know, a job, you know, trying to keep up with rent, rent while I have four roommates and I'm driving around, you know, sometimes up to 10 hours a day auditioning. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, I don't know how I did it, but I somehow did it. <laughs> I would sounds, never want to go back there. <laughs> sounds like a lot. So, mm-hmm. so when people, I, I mean, when people want to go into acting, like it's, it's a very involved profession. Do you think it's possible? Oh, yeah. Like, or not, not, do you think it's possible? But what, what are the difficulties of someone that wants to go into acting uh, that is single versus someone that already has a family and has that, you know, oh, those things to take care of. That's a, that's a really interesting question. Actually, I was single, no family going into this. I mean, other than my immediate relatives, you know, mother, father, blah, blah, blah. But, um, I was basically on my own living on my own roommates, um, without a spouse, no children. Um, my first thought is it's probably, they probably both have their advantages and disadvantages. Meaning thinking about some of my friends that did have a wife or kids. Um, of course they had other distractions. Um, but at the same time they had other shoulders to lean on, uh, whether their wife was also, you know, working to bring bread onto the table or, you know, uh, you know, to have emotional support of someone that close to you to to deal with the uh, the downs, because uh, I call it a roller coaster ride. Uh, the acting industry is just filled with extreme downs and extreme ups. It's really weird. It's such an interesting career. I mean, you're um, like the downs are really like sometimes it's literally like, hey, here's a million dollar contract that will change your life, and it's everything you've dreamed of unless you screw up in that room and we're going to take it, we're going to rip it up. Like that's, I've, I've been in those situations wow. <laughs> and I've had them ripped up. Oh <laughs> yeah. man. I bet yeah. that hurts. <laughs> yes. And so, and that breaks a lot of people, but I mm-hmm. think that that's why I really like when I'm teaching people, like I, I have ran classes and I've done coaching and I've, I've kind of mentored some people in that way. And really a lot of it, it's not just working on the craft, but it's a mental training. It's almost like a philosophical mm-hmm. training as well, because you need to mentally be able to handle this. And I have seen it break a lot of people, especially nowadays where we have the social media world. Once you start getting that level of attention, it's very tough for some people to handle because you're also going to get a lot of negative feedback and you know people talking all sorts of crap, things like that. And you kind of have to get to a point where... It's almost like a stoicism approach. I mean, this is one approach I'll say. This is more my approach where it's like you can't control the things that are outside of your control. There's so many factors. As long as you're doing your homework, doing the best you can, there's so many factors that will still lead to you not getting the job. And then when you're in the public eye, 
everyone will have something to say about you, whether positive or negative. And you kind of have to reach a point where it's like you have to not so much believe the positive and not so much believe the negative. Um, you kind of have to see an in-between and objectively assess it and go, hey, I don't know these people. Why do I? Why am I putting so much value on their opinion? I don't know if they're a good person, a bad person, or anything in between. I don't know. So when they're talking you know, crap about me, so to speak, mm-hmm. why am I going to take that to heart? Now, that doesn't mean you can't take constructive criticism. You have to be able to mentally be in a place to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's good. Like if sometimes I'll see feedback or certain things from a stranger and I'll go, that makes sense. <laughs> it's true. And I can learn from that. Whereas there's a, a lot of things that's just like, oh, that's just someone being negative or a hater. Mm-hmm. Nothing to learn from that. They're just, you know, they got their own problems. And so anyway, this is a big roundabout answer, but that's part of the journey. And so I think if you have those shoulders to lean on, it's very helpful through the dark times. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so how was time, it? So how was it for you no. without the shoulders to lean on? I mean, you said you had your, your family, like your mother and father, but, you know, not like a, you know, wife and children at, at some point. Um yeah, I, I mean, I, I had a little bit of that, but I definitely had less than normal to lean on. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, you also have your friends, you know, mm-hmm. a good friend structure. Um, so there's there's that too. But really, I mean, a lot of it's for me, I had to really learn to be a lone wolf. And luck, also luckily for me, I've always been a lone wolf, naturally. <laughs> so I kind of had to deal with it on my own uh, in a lot of ways. And there's positives to that. I mean, if it doesn't break, break you, it teaches you to be, you know, toughens you up mm-hmm. uh, for sure. So there's a lot. I mean, besides just the on air fun stuff you get to see, there's a lot I have to thank, thank my acting career for and just structuring who I am as a person, what I've learned. And then, of course, the perks of traveling the world, meeting who I've got to meet, the doors that have opened. Like there's so much more to it under the surface that people don't mm-hmm. see. And, um, and we talked a little before the podcast and, uh, you said that you were, um, getting more into, uh, more involved in the various parts of filmmaking. Um, so, uh, are you getting into directing now and, uh, what, what else are you doing? Kind of a little bit of everything. So when I moved out here to, to give you the roundabout story or the overall story, I moved out here to Tennessee, Nashville, Tennessee. Lived in L.A. my whole life. I really thought, well, this is the end of my entertainment career. I moved out of here for a business. that I'm an owner in here. And I was like, well, this is really going to kill my career. And did it anyway because I thought it was the right decision you know, financially. And then, of course, I could, you know, when you take care of that, you can still follow your passions, do whatever you want at that point, right? So I did it. And then the, the weird thing is in a messed up way to at least see the silver lining COVID helped me with that. Hmm. The reason why is because with everything shut down, it became more normalized to do self tapes, to do zoom meetings, like to basically be anywhere in the world and still pursue this. Right. So it still opened up a lot of doors for me. While at the same time, I, I still had my passion there and still had my connections there and whatever, all of that. And I was like, I should keep doing that here. And I started a production company here and a management company. So now it's a very small industry here. But with all those doors open and now the world kind of more connected, um, kind of forced into it from COVID, 
it opened up a lot of doors and it's been going really well so far. So it let me still keep my passions alive. And, and I love working behind the scenes. I mean, I've, I, I write scripts, I can direct, I can produce, I can, at this point I can kind of do anything. And I try to learn all parts of it, which by the way, is advice to listeners. I, I highly recommend that. Like, you know, from, they all bleed into each other and they all help each other out and they will make you stronger in each other. Uh, like just right off the bat, a, a big one that comes to mind is all my years, you know, I've taken probably 10 plus years of acting classes. Done acting is my main career for, for most of my life. And that has helped tremendously when it comes to, for instance, directing. Mm-hmm. Directing, if you can be <clears throat> not only have some of the technical side, but be as be an actor's director, as a lot of them right. call it, you're ahead in ninety nine percent of the game. <clears throat> right. I can't tell you how many directors I've worked with that don't know anything about acting, and it absolutely is a hindrance. Well, and also being able to communicate what you want the actor to do, being knowing how to communicate with actors, I think is a huge part of that job. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and then. On the writing and producing side, having that actor's voice, having that mm-hmm. understanding of the psychology of people and deep diving into characters mm-hmm. and all of that, which I did for so many years. Well, now when you're putting pen to paper or you're you know, creatively structuring a production from a producer side, oh, it lends so much to it. And mm-hmm. it lets you add such a value and so much depth and, and cover so many, uh, I guess, fill up so many holes that are lacking in a lot of productions that you become part of. It gives you that as a weapon to, to add to your arsenal and it's massive, massive. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think that's true in a lot of professions, um, specifically in filmmaking because there's so much intertwined, like, like you said. Um, I mean, even understanding, you know, basic camera equipment and and stuff is going to help you, Mm -hmm. uh, whether uh, whether you're directing audio or or anything, I believe, and so oh, yeah. I, I totally agree with that. Um, so we're going to move on to a short break here, and then we'll be back with uh, Brando Eaton. Uh, he's an actor director. He's doing it all, and it's uh, just a pleasure having him on. So we'll be right back after this short break. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Path of Art. We're here with Brando Eaton. We've talked a lot about what his life is like as an actor. Uh, and now, Brando, I wanted to ask you, 
how did you get into acting? You said you grew up in L.A., but how did you get into the what it got you interested in it? The funny thing is, I just always assumed I was going to do that. I didn't even make a conscious decision of it. It was just, that's what I'm going to do. Oh, wow. And <clears throat> I knew it since I was a kid. Uh, I mean, my I'm sure part of what made that a subconscious decision is my dad did some films when he was younger. And so I saw those growing up. And then my mom put me in plays, probably starting from like two or three years old. <clears throat> and... We'd always, you know, I come, I come from a family that enjoys that stuff, like movie time and talking about it. My mom had a dream of being a writer, and <clears throat> then my dad always wanted to still do something in the in the industry. So it was, I was surrounded by it, and so it it was never really a decision where it was like maybe I'll pursue acting. It was just like, okay, yeah, I'll get older and I'll be doing acting, and that was it, just like it was already made up in my mind. It, so I couldn't tell you from where or from when it was just there. And yeah, and I did it. <laughs> Here I am. <laughs> and now you're now you're an actor and you're I've dedicated so much time to saying words in front of a camera. <laughs> it's, it's so hard. weird when you think about it. It is harder than you would think it is. Oh, it is. I just I, I always make fun of myself or make fun of it in general because I'm like, you know, I'll be hanging out with someone they're like, Oh, did you go to college? No, I did 10 years of learning how to say words in front of a camera. <laughs> like, it's like weird. <laughs> so it sounds so simple. But if you're not um, good at it, then it's so apparent, which is the interesting yes. thing. Yeah, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm mm -hmm. not saying it's easy. It's just funny to, from an outside looking in point of view, I'm like, <laughs> what a weird thing to dedicate your life to. But um, it's been very enjoyable, so I'm not <laughs> complaining. It's just funny to put it that way. Right, right. So was there a point in your life where you kind of had to take a leap of faith and just jump into acting? Um, funny enough, I feel like the answer to that is that my leap of faith was jumping out of acting. Oh, interesting. What I mean by that, <clears throat> what I mean by that is I always just assumed it's what I was going to do, like I just said. Mm -hmm. And and for me, that was genuinely the case. That's not always the case for people. Right. I remember there was a time when I was in an acting class and the acting teacher was like, you basically gave a speech about how, hey, I know this is hard and a lot of like... You guys are thinking I should stop or when am I going to stop or, you know, I'm going to quit or this, you know, he was saying things like that. And um, what what hit me is I saw a bunch of people around the room nodding in, a, in agreement with him. Hmm. And that's where it hit me. I was like, what? So I've never I never even thought of that, uh, that concept, like literally the, the thought of quitting it never touched my mind. It was just, no, this is what I do. Mm -hmm. And this is even before I was making money and working in it. This is just what I did. And so that really struck me and everyone else that, that they didn't have that same mental approach. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize that I was like, Oh wow, I'm a, I'm a minority here in that thought process. I'd never even thought of that. So in that sense, it wasn't a leap of faith. It's, it was just me. So it was kind of weird. Now, what the leap of faith was, 
<clears throat> was moving to Nashville. Because uh, really in that in my mind, that was taking all my life's work and throwing it out the window. All my uh, 10 years of acting classes and that being my, my sole career and just dumping it. And that was a leap of faith. That was very difficult to do. And I just did it on a whim. It's because I, I thought it was the smart decision because I had great business opportunities out here um, with a company that I started here years ago. So I tried to make the smart decision and I didn't know what the future had in store. And that was my leap of faith. And that was about three years ago now. And I'm very happy I did it. And so, so what have you learned from taking that leap of faith, just kind of jumping off the cliff, ready, shoot, aim? I mean, life is leaps of faith. I mean, life is <clears throat> taking calculated risks. Make sure they're calculated. Don't just take blind leaps of faith. <laughs> let's let's take calculated leaps of faith. <laughs> right. um, <clears throat> and that's what it was. It was that I had to come to terms with my goals in life. And I reached a lot of them in my career as an actor, mm -hmm. but I had bigger goals than that. I didn't just want to be an actor. I mean, I have many hobbies. I have many passions. I work in many different fields. And so, <clears throat> like, to me, a career and work is a, a means to an end. The end in itself wasn't just acting. Like, acting was a, a very enjoyable, passionate means to a bigger end for me. And so because of that, I had to roll with the punches and I had some great opportunities here and I had to take it and not knowing what the future would be when it comes to especially my career, my acting career that I had for so many years. And and it's true. I mean, it's it's worked out in interesting ways. I mean, acting is probably, I would say, 15 to 20 percent of my career now. Okay, I have a bunch of other businesses, and a bunch of other passions, and I work in a lot of fields now and I love it. And it keeps my life interesting. And I can, I now have the freedom to not have to take an acting job because I have to put food on the table. Mm -hmm. I can choose jobs that I want to do. I can say no to jobs. And that was always a, a, a goal of mine, but I was never there. I was never a big enough actor to be able to pick and choose the roles. Like I still, you know, mm -hmm. I, I worked more than most, but I still had to work. Mm -hmm. I still had to pay the bills. And so I would take jobs that I wasn't necessarily happy with taking all the time. And, um, and so to have something else, even at this point in my career, and again, like I'm very proud of my career and I've worked on a lot of amazing projects and, and gotten a lot of progress in, in the, in the career in general. Um, but I was never at a point where I could just pick and choose jobs. That's top zero, 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 one percent of the acting industry. It's very tough to break, get there. Um, so Anyway, it, it forced that for me. It gave me that ability to do that. And that's and that keeps life fun, fresh, interesting. I mean, it doesn't matter what your career is. It doesn't matter how much you love it, mm -hmm. whether it's acting or whatever it is. There are days when it's a job. Yeah. There are days when you're like, I don't want to get up. I don't want to go to set. That's going to happen no matter what you do. And so I made sure to get on certain paths to give me other opportunities to just to at least put my life on a path mm -hmm. that is most aligned with what I want to do.
in general. So are these other paths that you're pursuing, are they also uh, creative ventures? I call it all creative, even though on paper, no. And that's what I've learned. <clears throat> it's like... But I bet acting has okay. probably helped with some of it. Oh, absolutely. Because what has ha- acting mainly helped with? Well, one, of course, networking and you know mm-hmm. doors opening and opportunities and traveling the world. Yes, that's very helpful. But also people. Dealing with people. Mm-hmm. No matter where you work, no matter what you do, you don't live in a vacuum. Correct. You don't just live in a closet. You have to deal with people. That's correct. And that's huge. I think that's one of the biggest things in any business, any job, mm-hmm. knowing how to deal with people. And acting has absolutely helped me with that. Well, at the same time, uh, you talked about are they in creative fields? It's all creative to me. Mm-hmm. So they all scratch a different creative itch. Like even when I'm just acting, I want that writing and producing and directing itch scratched mm-hmm. as well, which is different. Right. Well, when I'm an owner of a company, it's still, how do I get this product to market? How do I market this thing? How do I deal with these people? How do I put this in a way where it'll work? Like, how do I put the, the chess pieces on the chessboard in a way where this is successful? I'm always being creative, always mm-hmm. problem solving. And I really, sometimes I feel more creative in a business meeting than I do on a set in front of a camera. Like it really depends how you're approaching these things and what you're taking from it. So I love having that diversity behind my careers and my skill sets. It really scratches all the itches for me. And I love what you said uh, uh, just a second ago about uh, calculated risks. And I think that plays into creativity in all of, in all of these areas. I mean, uh, so I'm I'm 38 years old. It's taken me a long time to start to understand some of these principles. But um I just kind of had this I don't know if you would call it epiphany, but kind of a paradigm shift on the way that I look at things. Um uh where failure when I see something that isn't working out, it has always been kind of devastating to me. Um I've been able to turn that around. And now I start looking at victories behind an obstacle. And it seems like that that kind of plays into part of, you know, taking calculated risks, you know, looking for what can, how can I make this work uh, and finding a path to that, you know, victory that you see on on the other side there. Um, but I would also say that it seems like you've had this mentality for a long time, as you've said that you've always kind of been a lone wolf, but um, it, it seems like that you've you've been fortunate to have the ability to to see what you want to be from a young age, and yeah. to and to kind of visualize, be able to visualize um, your your victories and successes. Y- yes, I would agree with that. It's still an evolving, you know process. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've still evolved a lot throughout the years. But in general, yes, I try to keep my eye on the goal, try to um, kind of have as much of an understanding as I can of myself, uh, which I think is very important because that's the foundation of everything. And so, yeah, I'd I'd say more so than everything, my life has been about improving myself. 
And then everything else is built upon that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'd say that's one of my biggest passions in life because it all has to start with you. Mm -hmm. And that, that leads everything, careers, hobbies, your love life, your friends, your whatever, it all starts with you. Right. Right. And so if you want to achieve big things, if you want to be worthy of big things, you have to do that within yourself first. So when I, uh, when I talk to people about this podcast and they ask me, what's your podcast about? Usually I say something along the lines of, well, I'm talking with creative people about how they're finding success in a field that everyone told them not to go into. And, um, I've heard, I've heard that a lot with, with guests that I've had on where, where people are always saying, yeah, don't go into the arts, you know, don't go into that. And it's, and, uh, you did mention, uh, about a professor that was kind of saying something along the lines um, with with that mindset of how you said you've never even thought of <laughs> it not working out right um, have you still noticed any of that uh, behavior of oh yeah it's kind of a waste of time to go in the yards you know do something else um, and if so um, how is your mindset helped helped you get through that Um, funny enough, I'm going to, I'm going to reverse that. What I mean by that is Mm -hmm. I had a different upbringing and a different situation than most people because my family was very arts oriented. Mm -hmm. So, so they were probably more, uh, they always supported supported me in that. Yeah. In fact, there are two points. I, I believe this is, these are two points that stand out to me. Once I was thinking about going to college for no reason. <laughs> and once I was thinking about, well, eh, this is what I did, um, pursuing the business stuff more and and then even moving. And I got major pushback on that. <laughs> oh, interesting. Like, no, why would you do that? No, just focus on your acting. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't be an idiot. Why would you do anything in business? <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. It was literally the opposite. Oh, um, so I have to kind of reverse that point of view. Um, but the answer is the same. I have to do what's right for me mm-hmm. and taking that calculated risk, you know, um, really understanding what I want out of life. And I think, again, that's the most important thing for people. And it's going to give you a solid foundation of whatever you do, even if it's, you know, your passion's acting. Why? What do you want out of life? What do you want to become? What do you want to do? There's still bigger questions there. I still see acting as just a means to an end. Every career is a means to an end. It may be super fulfilling to you. You may absolutely love it. But why? What are you you doing? Again, it's all about yourself. And I don't mean that in an egotistical, weird, service-level way. I just mean that everything stems from you. And we're all working on ourselves. We're all trying to improve. We're all trying to build a lifestyle that we're proud of and, and, and we can sustain long-term and, you know, we pass on to our next generation and we, you know, there's all these things that we're doing within ourselves and ourselves. And that's, and that's really the most important question more so than is it art related? Are you in business? Are you going to med school? You know, whatever it is, uh, all these things are a means to an end. Um, and anyway, so I, I just drive that home because I think that's very important. And then that'll help you really figure out, okay, 
you know, what do I really need to do? And, and if it's pursue acting and if it's do acting and you absolutely love it, then great. And guess what? If you folk, if, if you're coming at it the right way with the right mindset, it's also going to prepare you that much more to, to deal with the ups and the downs and the BS and the struggle and all that stuff. Because now you have a bigger goal, bigger goal than just, yeah, I want to be on camera and be famous and, uh, do what I thought was cool when I saw it on TV. Like that's, that's not deep enough. That's not going to sustain. That's not going to be fulfilling. That's going to lower your chances of success. And even if you do success, do get success, you know, that's subjective, but let's say you're working. Um, what does it mean to you? What are you getting out of it? You could still be an absolute psychological mess in a deep depression mm-hmm. and not being fulfilled because you haven't figured it out yet. Right. Well, what if what if someone came up to you and said, hey, I I want to go into acting, you know, this is uh, something that I'm going to jump into. Uh, what kind of advice would you give to them? Uh, like, and when I, and when I say that, I'm like, what would what would be the most important thing that you would tell them that they need to to do to be able to start that path? First, I'd open my hand and I'd slap them. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You look shocked. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> acting. Um, <laughs> John Lovitz. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I get that question a lot. Um, you know. I want to get into acting. What do I do? Is that essentially the question? Yeah. Yeah. What what would your advice be? Well, the first thing is kind of what I was just saying, find out if it's genuinely what you want to do. Mm -hmm. Is this really what you want to do? Because you have to have that from the start. You have Mm -hmm. to approach it with the right reasons. Otherwise, good luck. Like, uh, again, there's a lot of the surface level shiny stuff that comes with it. If that's the only thing that you're after, Mm -hmm. that's not enough. Because uh, it's a struggle. And um, so once that's taken care of, if you genuinely enjoy it, then I go treat it like a career. Mm-hmm. Take it seriously. There's so many actors that I know in L.A. that I've seen throughout the years that say, yeah, I'm an actor. And they're partying all night, going to the clubs, going to bars, chasing chicks, not going to acting class, you know, trying to, oh, but I should have an agent and I should be getting auditions and I don't need acting class. Like I don't need a train. Like it just comes naturally. Like good luck. Like, so right off the bat, if you're treating it like a career that you're taking serious, seriously, um, you're going to be ahead of 99% of the other actors right off the bat. Hmm. Um, so that's, that. those are the first steps. And that's what I tell people to do. And at that point, if that, if you're doing that, okay, get in some good classes, try different classes. Don't get pigeonholed in one class because a lot of classes, Treat it like it's a cult to keep you in and keep you buying month to month. Like try different classes, find techniques that work for you. Everybody's brain works differently. Different techniques mm-hmm. work better for some than others. Uh, surround yourself yourself with like-minded individuals, other people that have these passions that care about it. You know, you're sharing your info, you're helping each other out, you're leaning on each other, you're going over auditions together. You're you're oh I got this agent that I'm going to the, you know this thing with like come with you're meeting people together you're slowly climbing the ladder because there's no set path it's not like you know I want to be a doctor I go to college for here 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 and I'm going to be a doctor no there's no set path you have to be creative on your path as well mm-hmm. you got to figure it out you got to roll with the punches and you just got to completely submerge yourself in that world and that's how you do it that is brilliant 
I mean, it may just seem like what what you know, but I think that is brilliant. There's there's a lot of creatives out there. I'm one of them that we've seen ourselves in many spots. We've seen ourselves being many things because we can, and we know that if we put our our minds to it, we can do all of these cool things. But knowing which one, which one I really want to do, that's been the hard part. Mm. And I think what you're saying there is so helpful. Like I, even the, even just saying that if if you're if you're treating it like a job, you're going to be doing more than ninety percent of the actors. Um, that's revealing. That yes. is very revealing. Um, yeah, and it shows just how much work goes into it. And uh, I I just think that's brilliant. Great. No, Thank I'm, you. I'm happy that hit you. I'm happy that hit you. Yeah. And I hope that, you know, that helps someone else too. Yeah. And, and the point of this podcast, for those of you listening that have been listening is just to help. If anyone else is on this path, I'm, I just hope that these interviews help give them some kind of perspective so that they can go out and pursue what they want to pursue. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, that's, that's inspiring to me to one hear that that's helpful and two, uh, just the fact that I, I really think that a lot of this stuff is applicable, even if it's not acting, you know, it mm-hmm. could be something else in the arts. It couldn't even, it could be something completely different. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think it all comes ar- back around to kind of what I was touching upon earlier. It's a great reminder to myself as well, um, that everything stems from yourself and really right. figuring out yourself and then building it from there. Well, Brando, what, what's next for you? What's, what's going on? I mean, uh, of course, if there's stuff that you, you have NDAs that you can't talk about, don't worry about that. But like, you right. know, what, what's next for you and where, where can people find more of, of your stuff and your, your new ventures that you're, you're exploring? Yeah. No, appreciate that. Um, so the main thing is just follow me on social media. I mean, at this point, I, um, I don't treat that as, I mean, the funny thing is I even do marketing for people. So I focus on people's social media, but I don't focus on my own, <laughs> but I still update people on my life. Meaning like I'm not putting out the fun, flashy things anymore to like, Ooh, look at, you know, look at this to cultivate work. Um, really, it's just updating on my life and <clears throat> I'll post stuff about my businesses. Um, I have a charity post things about that. I have you know whatever new things acting related or producing related. So really just keep up to date and, mm-hmm. I'd appreciate that. And, and uh, what are um, those social tags? Uh, just my name, Brent, Brando, Brando Eaton, Eaton. Uh, whether Brando. it's Instagram. Mm-hmm. I mean, I honestly, I rarely use Twitter. My main thing is Instagram nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even really use my Facebook. So Instagram, um, I have those other things, but I rarely use it. But, but um, yeah, when it comes to this industry, um, yeah, we have some big things going on. Um, have a show that we're bringing out here. That's going to be the largest show shot in Tennessee. Nice. Um, yeah. So we just got that paperwork finalized. Um, I can't say any other details beyond that, but there will be updates on that. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. It's going to change the game out here. Oh, good. Right, already, like there's a little bit of an industry here, but it's very small. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a big testing the waters with a big production company, a uh, wow. big network to really see, okay, do we want to start focusing on making Nashville a, a, a big hub for us? Mm-hmm. So that's going to open up a lot of doors of production out here. So we're, we're, we're working on that. We're producing that. 
and um, and then we have a one hour comedy special that'll probably end up being a Netflix or HBO comedy special. We're gonna shoot that out here. Uh, if that goes well, we'll probably probably be doing more of those. Start working with more comedians and shooting um, one hour comedy specials out here at different venues. Um, so yeah, a bunch of random things that we're talking about uh, some re- reality shows right now, producing some reality shows. So really things are across the board and, and I'll act in some of these too, where it's fitting. Oh, good. Where it works. Um, um, I'm, I'm big on, I love, of course I love, I'd love to put myself in everything, but I'm big on not forcing it. Mm-hmm. If I'm genuinely not right for a role, I'm not going to be like, well, it's my production. I want to be this role. Right. Cause I've seen that ruin so mm-hmm. many productions. So I've learned from that. And so if I'm not right for something, I won't do it. Uh, but if there are some roles that are right for me, I'll, I will do it. So I'll probably be in some of those things. But, awesome. Yeah. So I'd say just keep up to date. I'm this, I'm still in the grind. It's still doing it. It's still love it. And here I am. <laughs> well, that is great, Brando. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, this has been inspiring. And anyone out there that's listening, I just hope this was helpful for you to help you along your path. Thank you for joining us. Oh, oh my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. And and uh, I really, yeah, I, 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 that's very inspiring to me. If, if this does help anyone or if anyone ever has any questions, feel free to reach out. And yeah, it was a pleasure being here. Thank you very much. All right. This has been another episode of The Path of Art. Thank you for listening to The Path of Art. If you or someone you know is creative and would like to tell your story, reach out to me at rmeeks at ksl.com. I might feature you on the show. If you liked our conversation, please make sure you follow the show and give us a five-star rating and review. It really does help people to discover the show. Also, make sure you follow The Path of Art podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.